From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather round the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. In numbers. Pass. Busy show, as uh, always. And before we let, uh, before we get right to it, let me just uh, take a moment and give a quick shout-out uh, to a big fan of the show over in the United Kingdom. Uh, Craig is uh, in hospital over in Lincoln. Not sure exactly where that is uh, in, U- in the U.K., but he's in the hospital. And, Craig, I just wanted to uh, say that I wish you uh, a very speedy recovery. Thanks for listening and, and uh, for your support, and uh, all the best from everyone here at The Conspiracy Show. Uh, our panel tonight, uh, Megan Barth from ReaganBabe.com, uh, is going to offer some insights into the horrible, tragic events uh, that unfolded in Charlottesville just over a week ago. Uh, tomorrow, of course, uh, we have a uh, major celestial event, a complete solar eclipse, and uh, science marshal, or science writer... Uh, Marshall Masters will be here to talk about another future celestial event. This one, however, uh, could be somewhat catastrophic. I'm talking about uh, Planet X or Nibiru. Uh, Marshall will be along to separate the wheat from the chaff. Uh, Our weekly remote viewing experiment, of course, what's in the box? That's just ahead. Uh, Then keeping with celestial events... Mitch Batros will be here. Uh, he is from the Science of Cycles. He's been with us before. He's going to talk about the causal effect of cosmic rays on human DNA. He calls it the Sun-Earth connection. Uh, and then in uh, hour two of the program, of course, open lines for the full uh, for the for the half hour, uh, followed by Special Air Service Warrant Officer, our former Special Air Service Warrant Officer and anti-terror expert John Geddes. Uh, will be here to tell us how to survive a terrorist attack or a live shooter uh, incident. Uh, before that, let me quickly introduce the boys in the band. On the Flying V, Gibson guitar, my technical producer, Ian Robertson. And uh, on the Rickenbacker bass guitar and occasionally the theremin story producer, Albert Vinzel. Ryan White is off tonight. Uh, just ahead of our panel, it's time for our weekly remote viewing experiment where you utilize your remote viewing skills to ascertain what is hidden from view in the uh, cigar box to my left. So uh, a reminder, please submit your answers to my Twitter feed at Richard Serrett, Richard Serrett, S-Y-R-E-T-T, at Richard Serrett. You must use the hashtag TCS Remote in order to qualify. All right, remote viewers, here are your coordinates. The object is inside the cigar box to my left, resting on the studio desk here at Zoomerplex, 70 Jefferson Avenue in the Liberty Village neighborhood of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And to the remote viewer or viewers who correctly identifies the mystery object, we have some fabulous Conspiracy Show merchandise for you. And if you're a fan of the show, hey, why not show it off? Visit the online merchandise store at theconspiracyshow.com and get yourself a mug, t-shirt, hoodie, phone case, and help support our work here on The Conspiracy Show at the same time. And remember, tweet your answers to me at Richard Serrett using the hashtag TCSRemote, and good luck. Just over a week ago, we all witnessed a horrible, tragic protest and riot in Charlottesville, Virginia. What originally started out as a protest of the removal of a Robert E. Lee statue and renaming of a park in that community 
ultimately led to a violent confrontation between a, let's call them for what they are, a band of scum. On the one side, we had neo-Nazis and white supremacists and, and members of the KKK, the worst of the worst. Uh, versus a, a coalition of uh, anti-racist protesters, members of Black Lives Matter, a group known as Antifa, uh, which bills itself as anti-fascist organi- uh, an anti-fascist organization, uh, although they, they have been involved in some violence of their own, that has to be said, but uh, we can't repeat uh, enough that we really have to condemn these losers and clowns uh, who thankfully are just a, a pimple on... Uh, you know, the, the behind of an elephant. They are insignificant, uh, and they are without power, thankfully, and influence, but they're out there stirring up trouble, uh, nonetheless. Uh, of course, we had the, uh, the horrible, uh, incident involving a, a, a young woman who was run over and killed by a neo-Nazi. We had 19 others injured. We had two police officers killed in a, in a helicopter crash related to the protest. Uh, since then, of course, President Trump has been slammed repeatedly for not condemning the neo-Nazis and white supremacists sooner. Quite frankly, I have to say, if we were going to be honest, he should have. He failed in that regard, but later uh, he did repeatedly condemn them. But again, the, the nation is not just looking for um, what, what the nation is looking for is someone to bring them together. And uh, he needs to work on that. Let's be clear. The question now is, uh, how does the United States recover what, it, what appears to be a complete breakdown in civil discourse. We are teetering on the edge, I think, down there. And cooler heads have to prevail. We need to find ways to, to bring this country together, to the United States together again. We have bands of protesters now running around the country, defacing public property, tearing down statues and vestiges of the Civil War. Um, we also have to be sensitive to uh, those who continue to, to see these uh, monuments as a uh, uh, as a vestige of a, of a horrible and ugly past for them. So what is needed now, obviously, is to get back to a civil discourse. Both sides need to learn how to talk to each other once again. Here to discuss is Megan Barth, founder and proprietor of ReaganBabe.com. She's a nationally recognized political commentator. Always a delight to have Megan on the program. How are you, Megan? Hey, Richard. Thank you so much. Good to be back. Uh, one of the before we get to you know how how uh, what America needs to do uh, to get talking again and to get civil again. Interesting uh, that um, it's coming out now that uh, Governor McAuliffe in Virginia had called um, or declared a, a state of emergency. And uh, this actually happened before the protest even began. What's what's going on there? Yeah, and you know, I'm glad you bring that up, and, and that's something that I've been wanting to talk about. And I was off last week. I had eye surgery, and so I was not really able to follow the news, read the news. And the first time I turned on the news was Saturday. And at the top of the news, it says Governor Terry McAuliffe calls state of emergency. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, well, and I can't really see all that well, obviously, but I'm thinking, okay, well, obviously there's something, you know, going on, but the police are going to take care of it. And then on Sunday, when I turn the news back on again, I see that all hell's broken loose. And and so there's a chain of events that the press refuses to cover. And they're so quick to lay blame on President Trump for everything, for, for everything. 
Right. And but, so, and I, and I, and when Terry McCall declares a state of emergency, there are certain actions that have to be followed according to protocol and state regulations and law. And for, so why would you have the police stand down if you had two opposing groups that were going to come together? No one, I think, would have known about this protest against the, the tearing down of the Robert, um, uh, excuse me, the General Lee statue until Terry McAuliffe gave it national attention by declaring a state of emergency. And, and, w- well, and can you, you, you say with great certainty that the, in terms of the timing that the, yeah. the, the, the call for the for, – and, and normally when one is calling a state of emergency, you're asking for more resources. Uh, right. and, and if that were the case, then why weren't those resources deployed? Because as you say, it, it appeared to many on both the right and the left that the police – were, were basically called back, and, and in some instances, it appeared... The police stood by, according to the ACLU, yes. which is not a conservative organization by any stretch of the imagination, reported live and was tweeting that it looked as though the police did nothing to, to stop the violence. Um, you know, and f- and the further... There's a thing about permits, and Canada is very different. You guys don't have a First Amendment. And so many Canadians don't understand that there necessarily was never anything called hate speech in America until the liberals created that, that, mod, that, that, that saying. And it was basically anything they disagreed with was hateful. Right. That's the it, problem it, with it, hate speech. I mean, it has correct. no basis in the law. It's a very nebulous right. term. Uh, and I agree, it is problematic uh, uh, in the United States, this First Amendment. It's, you know, it, you're either all in, you have to be all in. Um, you, you do. Yes. Because, I mean, who determines what is hate speech? Yes, we understand that Nazis are hateful. Yes, we don't agree with Nazis. But Nazis have been marching the streets for as long as the communists have been mar- marching our streets. And when you look at Antifa, they declare themselves to be an anarcho-communist movement that is very, very, very well-funded and global. So I want to know who's funding Antifa. And when we follow the money and we look at those that are protesting others, declaring hate speech and that they have a right through violence to silence others that they disagree with, Trump supporters have been assaulted in our country for months before the press gave it any attention. We had people bloodied on the streets in Berkeley. We had a man that was sent to the hospital with a bike lock that was, like, literally used against his head. Yes. And opened his head and sent to the hospital bags of rock, a woman assaulted with eggs and spit in San Jose. And this is and this the is, press did nothing. This is exactly the problem now because we have one group trying to control the narrative and what's happening. And and I, I I'm committed to trying to walk this thing back from the brink because listen, I have to admit personally, I've allowed politics to take up too much emotional space in my life. I think many of us are. Uh, um, guilty of that, but what is happening now is you have one band that is that is labeling all you know conservatives and republicans they 're all nazis mm-hmm. uh, uh, although a conservative could, cannot be a fascist i mean they 're just diametrically opposed however um, and, and and I think we have to admit, yes, I think the president dropped the ball he should have he should have spoke quicker, although there 's a double standard. other presidents maybe sat on the fence and waited for the dust to clear before they made any announcements however. I think we need to come out and say the president should have uh, spoke uh, quicker in condemning the uh, the scum 
uh, the neo-Nazis and the, uh, the, the white supremacists. But the question now remains, how do we walk this back from, from the edge? How do we ret- return, is it even possible, uh, to some sort of civil discourse? How do we learn to talk to each other again? I mean the right and the left. I think the exposure of the violent left is needed. And I think that through these actions, President Trump actually exposed the violent left. And how he exposed them was to get the press to talk about it. The okay. violent left is a very well-funded group. And uh, the, the more exposure that it gets, the better. All right. So uh, You know, I, I looked at the Tea Party movement, and I was actually a very active participant. And Andrew Breitbart, my Tea Party, was one of the first he ever spoke at. And... Um, we were called Nazis then. Yeah, that has to stop. That has to stop. And, and, and so when you when you label anyone that disagrees with you as a Nazi, or if you compare someone to Hitler, and you do so time and time again, you end up with people that want to, you know, assassinate twenty Republican congressmen in the middle of Virginia. This is the big and threat. Steve because police is still in. Recovery. When you make someone less than human, you justify, in many people's minds, Correct. violence. And that's what's happening. That has to stop. But I think both sides need to take a breath, and we need to learn how to talk to each other again. I'm not sure how we do that. We're not going to solve it now. Megan Barth, always a pleasure. ReaganBabe.com. Thank you. Thank you so much, Richard. Talk again soon. All right, when we come back, something wicked this way comes. Planet X, perhaps? And when? Stay tuned. The Conspiracy Show returns right after this. Fasten your seatbelt and put your tray in the upright position. You're about to leave everything you know behind on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. The results of our weekly remote viewing experiment coming up just past the uh, bottom of the hour, the big reveal uh, for what's in the box. Don't forget to use... The hashtag TCS Remote and uh, send your answers or tweet your answers to my Twitter feed at Richard Serrett. Planet X or Nibiru is uh, reportedly a huge planet with a vast orbit that will supposedly, de- supposedly one day, uh, perhaps in the very near future, pass so close to Earth that its gravitational pull uh, would wreak havoc on our planet triggering earthquakes and other catastrophic events. And the idea, the whole idea of, of uh, Planet X or Nibiru really gained traction back in uh, 1976 when author Zechariah Sitchin claimed that two ancient Middle Eastern cultures, the Babylonians and the Sumerians, um, told of a giant planet, Nibiru, that orbited the sun every 3,600 years. And then, recently, you may have heard him on Coast to Coast, Christian numerologist David Mead, uh, said he has discovered a date marker that reveals when Planet X and the reported resulting apocalypse is coming. Mr. Mead claimed to match the positions of celestial bodies with Bible verses and worked out when Planet X would cause the end of the world as September the 23rd. Here to discuss is Marshall Masters, a former CNN Science Features news producer, freelance writer, television analyst, and the publisher of... You know, um, well, is it y- y- y-o-w-u-s-a, yowusa.com, 
Uh, since 1999, he's been researching earth changes and Nibiru flyby-related topics, including sustainable survival communities, catastrophic crop circles, impact events, and future technologies. Like many others, Marshall sees a dark cloud coming. He's the author of Surviving the Planet X Tribulation. Marshall Masters, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Let me go back to that website. I want to get that right. Um, how do you uh, Mar- just use marshallmasters.com? All right. <laughs> when I started this years ago, it was an old domain name that I had, and it was like, "Ain't broke, don't fix it." And I used it, and everyone just gets tongue-tied. It's yowza, <laughs> yowza.com, but just marshallmasters.com work fine. All right. Thank you for the clarification. Uh, now, there's some. I think some misinformation or some uh, confusion about the nature of what this celestial body, Planet X, is. Some say it's actually a sun that's dragging other planets and other mm-hmm. celestial bodies along with it, rather than it being an actual planet. So just clarify, what is Planet X or Nibiru? Planet X is a mini-constellation. By the way, I really liked your intro. Uh, you've been researching this. And we live in a binary system. Now, that's common to 90% or more of all the solar systems in our galaxy is that they have multiple suns. Our sun's smaller twin is a brown dwarf. They're very difficult to see in visible light spectrum until they're very close in. They're about twice the size of Jupiter and less than 1% the mass of our own sun. And this is this second sun is called nemesis and i remember the whole talk about nemesis when i was in high school it was a huge topic back then and this whole conversation even carl sagan was part of this possibility that we're in a binary system now nemesis has planets and moons in orbit around it and it is in orbit around our sun presently we're tracking it it is behind the sun and Uh, What we're going to be seeing will be the outermost planets in that system. The uh, three major planets out from Nemesis are Helion, which is a small gas planet. Then there's a rocky planet, Arboda. And then the third one is Helion, or excuse me, Nibiru. And that's the one that Zachariah Sitchin was talking about. Nibiru translates to the planet of crossing. Now, it has a lot of different names, and Planet X is actually a coin that was termed by American astronomer Percival Lowell, who founded the Lowell Observatory in Flagstaff, to find Planet X. In other words, Neptune's perturber. Something was, they knew it was out there because it was making perturbations in the orbit of Neptune. And when Tombaugh discovered Pluto in 1930, they thought they had found it. But as it turns out, after the discovery of Sharon, the moon of Pluto, that Pluto's pretty small. It's only about 60% the size of our own moon, so it doesn't have the mass to be a perturber. Now, we've been tracking it, and um, my first observation series was in 2013. We were tracking it from Turrialba in Central America, and it was showing up. It was pretty small at the time. Then, over the years, we just started getting more observations, and now we're getting quite a few. The ones that I like, the ones I feature on my site, are at altitude because they are above 
the chemtrail layer, which is very important. The geoengineering that they're doing to the planet really makes it difficult to observe the sky. But also you have a much better horizon. And uh, when people are shooting through the passenger windows of an aircraft, they're shooting through plexiglass, which is optically much better than regular glass. So are, so are, are, well. are amateur astronomers, uh, Marshall, seeing the approach of... Um, you know, the, the sun's twin and the constellation that it's dragging with it because, uh, you know, we're told obviously from, you know, the official sources, NASA and so forth, that this is just hokum. But, I mean, our, and there was a, a reported death list of, of uh, uh, amateur astronomers who were trying to, you know, point that this, this out and this was coming and they've seen it. Uh, I mean, who are we to believe? Well, there's a lot of suppression there are there was a group skyview team uh that was doing observations and they were shut down they get infiltrated by disinformation operatives there's a lot of suppression on this now astronomers are trying to talk about it the first astronomer was carlos muñez ferrada a chilean astronomer and in 1940 he announced the existence of what he called a black star which is what we now refer to as a brown dwarf and Hercolibus, which was the Atlantean name for what we call Planet X today. And then there was another astronomer, uh, Robert H. Harrington. Uh, he was the chief naval observatory astronomer in Washington. He had a special telescope constructed for a Planet X sky survey, sent it down to a observatory that's operated by our government in New Zealand. Yes, the I remember that. The surveys were done, and then the films were returned to NASA and immediately buried. And what happened to Harrington? What happened to Harrington? Well, I think there are a lot of people who believe Harrington was assassinated because of the work he was doing on Planet X. He had written a brilliant white paper on it. But the problem was that he gave an interview to Zachariah Sitchin, in a documentary called Why We Are Alone. And they were actually videographed there in his office in Washington. And in that, he was showing what he believed to be the elliptical orbit of Planet X. And also, he did he crossed the line. He did the one thing you don't do as an astronomer. You do not acknowledge the possibility of sentient life on another object in our solar system other than let me just uh, remind listeners, Marshall Masters is with us, former CNN Science Features uh, news producer and the author of Surviving the Planet X Tribulation. Uh, so, uh, Marshall, you're convinced that it is headed this way, um, just because we're tight for time. Uh, let me go back to um, the, the um, prediction made by the, um, the Christian numerologist, um, Mr. Mead, who, who says that it's coming in September. Is that a possibility? Later this year is consistent with what whistleblowers are talking about. Robert Dean, uh, retired military whistleblower, he's read the files when he was in top security. Uh, he said 2017, take it to the bank. And then uh, Major Ed Dames, the remote viewer, again with security clearances, has remote viewed it. And according to Ed, last August, uh, he said that in November of this year, it'll look as large as the moon in the sky. 
and talk to me so about what I mean. What's going to do the damage? Is it is it the 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 brown dwarf, the sun's twin, or is it going mm-hmm. to be Nibiru? What's going to cause the 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 gravitational pull that'll cause the damage? What we're going to have is a series of events leading up. First off, we're going to have impact events because this is, well, basically it has a bow wave. It's pushing things out of the way and it's coming towards us. We know this because we're tracking fireballs. And since December 21, 2012, the number of fireballs that are being reported is just astronomical. And the trend keeps upticking. Same thing with earthquakes of all magnitude. Uh, then what we're going to have is a lot of bad solar weather. Now, what has been happening is our sun has been reacting to Nemesis for some time, and the result of that has been this continual uptick in solar luminosity, and that is what is principally causing our weather-weirding, global warming, whatever you want to call it. It is why the chemtrail sprays are being put up there, is to basically start reflecting those photons back out into space. Okay, so, so when it comes swinging by, what's, mm-hmm. you know, is this, a, is this a planet killer? I mean, uh, it's not, no. We will survive this. It is going to be a very bad flyby because it's, it's going to arc over the sun, now, nothing's going to hit us. Anybody that tells you Planet X is going to hit Earth is a mindless twit or paid disinformation operative, to be blunt. It is going to pass overhead, and the Hopi described that with blue kachina, red kachina, which is actually Doppler shift. As it comes towards us, it's going to be blue because there's blue shift, compression of the light waves. Then once it passes overhead, and where it's going to dip down between the orbits of Mars and Jupiter, then it redshifts because then it's going away from us. We'll survive, but there will be catastrophic consequences, I'm guessing. There are going to be. When it when it gets down to the ecliptic, we're going to then the risks that we're going to have is a pole shift and uh that would be similar to Noah's flood was a pole shift event. And Another thing, and Ed Dames talks about this, he calls it the kill shot, and what he sees is a strong, uh, like a lightning stroke uh, bolt coming out of the sun. Well, what he's talking about is a solar sprite or cosmic lightning, and that would be something that is definitely a concern when we're passing between Nemesis and the sun. When we have Nemesis behind us and the sun in front of us, it's like the spark plug in your car. So with a pole sh- with a pole shift, people that would be most vulnerable would be people li- uh, living on the coasts. Is that is that fair? Absolutely. All right. How do the rest Absolutely. of us prepare? Well, you want to as a rule, what I tell people is you want to be 150 miles away from any major body of water, as much elevation as you can get in terms of the terrain, soft ro- soft earth, rolling hills, a lot of water. If there are nuclear reactors or any kind of nuclear plants nearby, you want to be at least 100 miles downwind or 50 miles upwind. If there is fracking, you want to avoid that as well. This is going to this is going to uh, mean a massive evacuation. I mean, why? If this is if there's no doubt about it, why isn't the government 
um, you know, directing people, telling people to prepare? Is it? I mean, is there not going to be an ensuing panic either way? Look, you know, the movie 2012 that was uh, Emmerich gave us the message. I mean, the eye candy was ridiculous. The people having a conversation during a magnitude whatever earthquake, you know, that that's Hollywood eye candy. But if you look at the subtext of the movie, it explains in precise detail exactly how the ruling class view this and what they're doing. So they're setting themselves up so that they're going to be safe in their bunkers. When you start seeing the tarmac at Denver International littered like a bad case of the measles with corporate jets, you know, dying time is near. For the people living along the coast, there is a tremendous amount of disinformation because they want them to shelter in place. This is, you know, research the Georgia Guidestones, the first right, indeed. commandment, if you will, of the Guidestones is keep the population under half a billion. doesn't say how we get there. Marshall, we are out of time, but I, I want to have you back on. Uh, we need to talk further. Marshall Masters, Surviving the Planet X Tribulation, marshallmasters.com. When we come back, the big reveal for our weekly remote viewing experiment. Stay with us. The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. All right, welcome back. It is time for the big reveal uh, for our weekly remote viewing experiment, What's in the Box? And uh, just a reminder, uh, for next week, to uh, submit your uh, answers, you must use the Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett, and you must use the hashtag TCSRemote. All right, let's uh, go around the horn in studio and um, check in with our rockabilly friend, Ian Robertson. What's in the box, Ian? Uh, I'm seeing a bread loaf, but like a small one or a, like a bun. A like small loaf of bread or a bun? Something you get from uh, Swish LA. Not, oh, not the very precise. That, but. <laughs> very precise. All right, and uh, Albert Vinzel, what's in the box? I, I get something green, like maybe a tennis ball, maybe sports-related. A tennis ball, all right, or a, a small loaf of bread or a bun from Ian. All right, so let's go to the Twitter feed, Albert, and what are people uh, saying? There's a lot coming in. Kevin says, uh, silver, sharp edge, smooth, round metal, eclipse glasses. Uh, James, it's a pencil holder. Jamie, a frisbee. Scott. I think the biz contains something with jagged edges, a leaf. Leo Bin, a spoon or a fork. Aubrey, a yellow plastic toy car. Uh, Mary Jane, a disc-shaped object. SM, solar eclipse glasses, again, that, that's coming in quite a lot. Um, Larry, an ocean shell. John Porter, a pair of glasses for viewing the eclipse. There you go. Mm -hmm. uh, Mariah, a, a key. We get that one almost every week, too. Uh, Daniel. Eventually, it will be a key, yes. All right, sorry, Daniel. Uh, Daniel, a glue stick. Uh, Eric, a wallet. Uh, open your third eye. Uh, they have the right name, anyway. Uh, something flat, uh, irregular edges, a puzzle piece, or a leaf. I, another double guess. Uh, Alan, a chocolate chip cookie. And, and then there was mine, a tennis ball. All right. Uh, well, 
I don't know. I'll let you decide if anyone was close. I don't think we heard anything really close. Someone said something metal, but it's it's a statue, which uh, of course statues are uh, in the news these days for all the wrong reasons. But this is a kind a tiny uh, Greek statue. I think it's King Leonidas. Leonidas. I'm pronouncing that wrong, and I'll hear from I hear about it when I get home. But it's you know the Spartan, the great Spartan king. Uh, anyway, that was picked up in the uh, in Greece. One of my little guys. So there you go. Any, I don't think anyone was close, were they? Someone mentioned some something metal and smooth, but no, no. Sorry, I can't sanction that. There you go. So we'll try again next week, and uh, we will. We'll, we'll get um, Dr. Douglas um, Cottrell in and do a refresher course uh, on remote viewing. But you know, recently, uh, last week. We had um, Ryan, our feature producer, guessing. Um, he guessed eclipse glasses, and they were a pair of swim goggles, pretty close. And then the week before that, I had a ball-peen hammer in there, and Ian said, oh, like a, a stick, a wooden, uh, a long piece of wood. Yep. So, you know, sometimes we're hot, and sometimes we're not. If only somebody said a little person. A little person. Then they would have gotten the statue. There you go, yes. All right. Uh, that's always a fun segment. And uh, just a reminder again, if uh, if you don't happen to win uh, the Conspiracy Show merchandise, then please, if you're a fan of the show, show it off. Visit the uh, merch store at theconspiracyshow.com. And uh, we've got mugs, T-shirts, hoodies, even phone cases for all Androids and, and, uh, and iPhones. All right, and you help support the show at the same time. Just a reminder, coming up at uh, the top of the hour, open lines, and then we're hoping... Uh, to reach out to, this is an ex-SAS uh, uh, Special Air Service uh, warrant officer and uh, sniper specialist, John Geddes, um, the author of, or the co-author, I should say, of Be a Hero, and it's the essential guide to active shooter incidents, basically how to survive a terrorist attack. God forfend uh, that should ever happen to you. Uh, you know, I remember when sort of the, the essential books that should be on every young man's um, bookshelf was like, you know, the, the, uh, the, the Boy Scouts book, like the original, like 1911 version. Uh, and then I used to have a book on, uh, I think it was Small Engine Repair, you know, for lawnmowers and so Now you have to have a how-to guide on how to survive a terrorist attack. That's kind of a sad commentary, isn't it? Uh, when we come back... The Science of Cycles. Mitch Batros returns to the program to talk about how cosmic rays affect human DNA and perhaps human behavior. This will be fascinating. Hope you'll be with us. The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. In a democracy, we elect officials so we can sleep at night. So why are you up? 416-360-0740. Or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. A programming note uh, for next week. Albert, here, help me out here. What do we have on the show next week? There's a, a man named Robert Epstein who says Google is evil. They're reading my emails. And, and I can say this for him. He's candid. He's true to his word. He won't reply to Gmail. I, I, had, to right. get him, <laughs> I had to get him through Hotmail. Well, yeah, Google has come under fire for, well, changing their algorithms. So only, you know, articles with a certain political bias come up. And, and if, you're, if you're searching for something and others are buried for censoring, of course, they came under a great deal of fire for firing uh, that employee, John DeMore, 
who dared to speak his mind and write a letter on how they might improve their diversity practices. And they say, you have the wrong opinions. You're fired. That's just odious. So, uh, yeah, it's very timely. Robert Epstein talking about Google and how, you know, they are, they are a utility. They are, you know, the world's largest disseminator of information. And I'm a conservative. I'm leaning in many ways towards libertarianism. I'm not a big fan of regulation, but as a utility, Given the, the power and the influence they have, I think it's time to step in because we cannot trust Google. I'm saying this on, on our, our YouTube stream. We'll see if we're, de- <laughs> we're demonetized tomorrow, yeah. but it's time to do something about it. So uh, good, good work getting him on, Albert. Alan Park uh, using uh, cannabis to cure cancer. Yes, Alan Park, a uh, comedian, was uh, was a regular um, cast member on uh, Royal Canadian Air Force. He had a, 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 I'm not sure if he's still doing the podcast. I don't think so. Uh, it was Conspiracy Queries, uh, which ran for a while, I think, on Sirius XM as well. Good, good, good program. And he now has a new podcast. Uh, he has been cured, I understand, not once but twice. He had cancer, was not given a good prognosis. I mean, he, it was supposed to be lights out. Uh, he should be dead twice now. And uh, he um, he said he was cured by cannabis oil. So we're going to get Alan Park on to tell us about that. Our panel, too, I think it's uh, it's Nelson Thal, our good friend, media scientist Nelson Thal, and John Rappaport from No More Fake News. Great show next week. Good job, as always, Albert. Uh, so several months ago, we had Mitch Batros uh, on the program to explain the role of cosmic rays in Earth's climate. Um, he's written a book explaining how it is that these cosmic rays, and not CO2 from the burning of fossil fuels that's behind climate change or global warming. And uh, uh, the book is called Global Warming, A Convenient Disguise. Uh, now tonight, he, Mitch is back because he's going to go... I don't know, one step further, but uh, sort of adding uh, more information to this fascinating area of study, the science of cycles. He says, not only do cosmic rays affect our climate, they also affect human DNA and even, perhaps, human behavior. Mitch Batros is a scientific journalist who is a highly respected, uh, who is highly respected in both the scientific and spiritual communities because of his unique ability to bridge the gap between modern science and ancient text. And again, uh, the website is scienceofcycles.com. Mitch, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Oh, I'm just fine, Richard. Glad to be with you. Just uh, for those who didn't hear your last appearance on uh, on the program or who may have missed our conversation on Coast to Coast uh, a while back, what, what are cosmic rays? Uh, they're charged particles of uh, protons, ions, and uh, when uh, and nuclei, when they when they connect, um, that is what causes the charge. And there's so much new information about uh, galactic cosmic rays right now because of the instruments that we have in space. We wouldn't have known this, you know, five years ago, even two years ago. Uh, we're learning so much more about it and how it is playing an integral part, not only to our galaxy but our solar system, the sun, of course and our Earth, Um, and it actually is going to be or is related to this uh, tomorrow's uh, full solar eclipse. Uh, In fact, uh, NASA, on NASA TV, they've been putting out quite a bit of data specific to cosmic rays. Um, They have ground-based instruments, of course. Um, They have uh, uh, space balloons and, of course, the ISS, the uh, International uh, 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 space station. Thank you. 
and the, the, the data that they're receiving is, is showing that it's an integral part of what we now call space weather. Interesting. So it affects the climate, you say, that this is responsible for the, the uh, Earth's um, the climate change or global warming, not a man burning carbon dioxide or, or man burning fossil fuels producing carbon dioxide. Uh, but, but you go further and you say that, that uh, these same cosmic rays can act upon human DNA. How do they do that? I don't know. No one knows exactly how specifically to DNA. That is a, a, a brand new study to really go to that level of integral part. It's incredible. We have known for about a decade now how it affects the brain and human behavior. Uh, there's, there's one uh, mechanism that's being widely used. It was approved in 2008 uh, by the, uh, 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 F- the uh, FDA. Uh, it's it's a, a mechanism that uses magnetic coils, and you place it on, on uh, the skull. And depending on what ailment or what you're treating, mostly it has to do with various mental health disorders, but it's also used for things like Parkinson's uh, or other assorted brain injuries, uh, such as concussions and what, what occurs in, in wartime. Um, they know for a fact that uh, a charged particles, uh, the, the, a magnetic field does in fact, uh, this, is, this is not hypothetical, this, this has been, like I said, over a decade worth of study. Papers have been uh, uh, processed on this several times by all leading authorities. Uh, I remember back when it first came out, it was, it was fascinating, cutting-edge news. The reason I was attuned to that is because I actually uh, studied acupuncture. And acupuncture is a similar type of thing because we're dealing with meridians uh, and we're dealing with the body's magnetic field. And what acupuncture is all about is simply manipulating particular meridians, what we call meridians or energy points. And depending on what the body needs, uh, uh, the same being used with with uh, transcranial magnetic stimulation, depending on what the body needs, you either... It's, it's either a, an add or a subtraction. The, the, the whole mechanism is, is to strive for balance. Now, that's a 10,000-year-old study from China. Right. So do, do cosmic rays affect all people the same way? No. No, that's exactly what, what, what I'm addressing. There have been people um, that, like even right now, during, during this, this phase, this process of, of the full solar eclipse, uh, some people are feeling energetic. They're 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 focused. They're having a, a high energy. They're really you know moving along great. Other people, it's just the opposite. The, the, speaking in polarities, depression, low energy, fatigue, fear, anxiety. Um, so it, it it does affect people differently. Why I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I know it's a fact that it does. Now, you might have noticed in one of my articles that I published uh, in the last two or three weeks that related to the solar eclipse, in particular, full solar eclipse, is how the charged particles does play a a strong influence, of course, in in behavior, in addition, of course, to the Earth changes. We'll get into that later, I'm sure. But uh, look what's happened. Uh, We've got Korea. uh, We've got uh, Trump doing his trip with with the, you know, skinheads and Nazis and all, all that stuff. 
And I, I specifically used the words civil disobedience or civil disturbance. And that's exactly what's happening. So you're saying that, that what's happening right now, uh, the strife domestically in the United States between right and left and uh, so forth, this is attributable to cosmic rays. In I part, would have to classify this as conjecture, okay. Richard. I, I need to, because I am so attached to the science field and have been through peer reviews, um, it, it's a torturous event. Uh, so I, I, I do need to clarify this particular area. What I'm saying now, it, it, it leans more c- towards conjecture, hypothetical. However, however, History and patterns, which is what I study, cycles, that's why I have yes. the website Science of Cycles, is that there is a history and a pattern of when world wars have broken out, when there's been civil unrest, civil disobedience, and it does correlate with periods uh, of, of, of cos- uh, cosmic or celestial events. Interesting. Can you it, plot, it, can you predict, for example, when the Earth is going to... I mean, does it happen at regular intervals that can be plotted, for example, these blasts of cosmic rays? Well, yes and no. It's, it's like weather. It's really a lot like our, our space weather, like Earth weather. Um, we can predict when a stor- stormy weather, that the potential, we do it in percentages. There's, a, there's a, a moderate chance of thunderstorms coming or a low chance or 40% chance, that kind of thing. So it's really very much to the level of that. However, when it comes to celestial events, we know what happens when there's a full solar event. Basically two things. One, one is directly related to cosmic rays, and that has to do with what they're now calling gravitational waves, factual data. Now, gravitational waves is not a new science. It's, 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 it's been studied since 1973. However, again, with the instruments we have today, we're at a whole new level of understanding this phenomena. So just if you, if, if you can visualize sound waves uh, or, or a ship going through the ocean and how it splits the water and the waves go out, that's exactly what happens. And so that does, in fact, create a disturbance in our upper atmosphere. We have shifting uh, uh, ocean currents, shifting jet stream, and that is the, that's the makeup, uh, uh, in part, for these uh, earth-changing events, such as her, a, a tropical storm that turns into a hurricane. If a volcano has been kind of acting up, it escalates. If there are air, vulnerable areas of earthquake activity, there's a good chance we're going to see very high, very high earthquake. In, it could happen while we're on the air. We're definitely in the window. Okay. I, I predicted it to happen, which I almost never do in my 25-year career. This is like maybe the second time in 25 years that I've gone public. Let me ask you quickly, Mitch, because we're almost out of time, but if there are cosmic rays that can have sort of a negative impact on human behavior, witness the strife that's going on right now, are there also cosmic rays uh, that could lift human consciousness? Yes, yes. Um, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I, I don't know how much time we have, but... We have uh, about just, a minute, actually. Just to leave on this note, that, uh, uh, you know, chemistry is chemistry. Charged particles are charged particles. Uh, it's there, and it's not fate that we actually do have an influence, that there can be a movement. Uh, it, 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 there is such a thing as critical mass, but 
often it doesn't take the, the, the actual percentage, in other words, 51% to, to call it critical mass. It can be a lower percentage that creates a, 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 a wave of consciousness, if you will, um, that, that certainly can shift. Um, and maybe we're witnessing that right now with the, the Trump thing and, 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 and you know, the, 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 the strife, the, the Korea thing. Um, I don't see it as doom and gloom. I think we have an influence here. All right, well, I have to leave it on that point, Mitch, but I hope we can ride that wave and get ourselves out of this mess, because it seems to me we're teetering on the brink. Mitch Batros, the book is Global Warming, A Convenient Disguise, scienceofcycles.com, the website. We'll have to have Mitch back on again. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, when we come back, open lines. Stay with us.